you drop your four-year-old or five-year-old at kindergarten, they come back at the end of the day, they look tired, their clothes are disheveled, you know they did something, you can't get it out of them. What did you do today? Mm. <laughs> right? Did you learn something? Yeah. Like it's, you, it's a literal black box that they've gone into and then they come back out. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Stu, we're back. We're back for another season of Medical Dads. That's right. Back in the real sense of welcome back. Uh, we had a little hiatus over the summer, and now we are back to recording. That's right. That's right. And not only that, now if you listen really carefully, there is no background noise behind me. There are no kids <laughs> milling about interfering with the podcast because my kids have gone back to school. I don't know how long it'll last. But they are back right now. This is huge for you because your kids, you guys were virtual for the entire all of last year, right? Correct, correct. They, they literally stopped school like it was like March 2020, right? Yeah. And we're like into September 2021. They put on their uniforms and walked down the hallowed halls of education once more. Do they even remember like how it works? Did they get to school and pull out their Chromebooks and start saying, oh, do we just look at the camera in here or... <laughs> Well, fortunately, fortunately for my son, I don't know if it's fortunate or not, for my son, he's never been to school, right? He did preschool, which feels like eons ago, right? When he was three years old. Yeah. And, and the pandemic hit right at the end of preschool, right? So then right. he just missed the entire junior kindergarten year and just went right into SK. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to rationalize it by saying, well, in a lot of countries, they don't do JK anyway. Right. Like in, in the U.S., in British Columbia, they just start with they only have this one year of kindergarten. Right. So we're no worse off than that at, at worst. Wait, in, right? in the U.K., though, they, they don't keep them home. They just they just put them straight into grade one. Isn't it? They, there's no kindergarten <laughs> because they just put them straight into intense school. Not 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 that they keep them home for an extra couple of years. Isn't that <laughs> how it works. <laughs> but. Having said that, they seem to adapt reasonably well. Like, I think we were getting to a point where, like, we were pretty fed up as a collective with the situation. Like, uh, my family, like, we've been pretty careful with the virus. And yeah. the kids were not too keen on going to school during the pandemic. And then, you know, my wife and I, we kind of jiggled our schedules so that there was someone around to watch the kids at all times. Yeah. So we got through the year. The school year was actually okay. They did, a, they did hybrid learning, if people remember. Like, they were attending classes on Zoom, right? And then... You know, my wife and I, we would sort of hover around, make sure that they're staying on task. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. We hit about August and we were like, we all need a break from this. Like at the beginning of July, we were still like, okay, let's do some like, you know, enrichment over the summer. We'll do some extra math problems and stuff. When we hit, when we hit August, we're like, we all kind of checked out, you know, yeah. it's like, what did you get done today? I, I don't know. Not much. <laughs> right. So we really needed the school year to begin. Yeah. Right. And, and, and there was a certain amount of anxiety around like whether that was really even going to happen, right? Like mm. the world seemed to be steering us towards the school year is going to be December, right? Beca because we needed like this firm date of life yeah. returning to normal. 
Yeah. But then all summer you kept hearing about like the Delta variant and, you know, children getting COVID and more and more children getting COVID and children in the ICU, right? This is all, all of this is going on. Our anxiety level is starting to go up, but then we're kind of steadfastly saying we cannot have another year at home. <laughs> Right. You, yeah. you, you can throw all the ICU numbers at me. We cannot have another year at home. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because last year at this time or last year, a couple of weeks before this time, there really was the question of is school going to actually start in person for anybody or will mm -hmm. this will the government tell us that the school is not opening uh, now this year? Uh, that was never a question. Everybody had decided long ago, yet yeah, kids are going back to school in, in September. Right, right. Uh, and it, do you, is it because you feel safer about your kids going to school now than you did before? Well, I feel safer that the grandparents are vaccinated. And, and you know, there's a significant number of us that are vaccinated at this point. So in that yeah. sense, I feel safer. I, I feel like the children themselves are not at super high risk of getting sick themselves, as far as we know at this point. So that's still okay. And, yeah. you know, I do think that we have to learn to live with some degree of anxiety. You know, you, you, we're not going back to that world where, you know, you just took out, you don't need to wear a mask. You don't need to wash your hands that regularly. You can go to school with a runny nose. Like that world seems to have passed us by. I, I think in the pre-COVID world, I still believed you had to wash your wash your hands fairly regularly. <laughs> Maybe not sanitize them every time you uh, go in and out of a room, but uh, let's just be clear for the audience that the medical dads have always endorsed washing hands. We're not latecomers to that particular party. <laughs> so, so first day of school rolls around last week, right? And so my son has never had a full day of anything before. Right? Even when he did preschool, we did it half days, right? So, you know, I, I remember I would I would drop him off at about 8.45 or 9, right? And yeah. then I would have a whole two hours to myself, right? By 11.30, I'm heading back out because I got to grab him by 12, right? Yeah. So he And so he's never really gotten used to eating on his own, you know, away from the eye of the parents, right? Yeah. Dictating that your meal must be finished. And I, I mean, especially for a child at his age, it's all about like get your basic, you know, in medicine, we call them your ADLs, right? Like your activities of daily living. Like, are you voiding? Are you eating? Like these basic things, right? Yeah. And so he, he goes off to school on the first day and it's going to be a full day. And I, I, I don't know why, but you know, the whole summer I had been joking with him because we'd, we'd kind of been potty training him. I mean, he's potty trained, but yeah. the one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't wipe his own butt. Right. And at home, we were just like, your parents are always around. So as soon as he's done, he'll be like, done, daddy, done. Yeah. Right. Which is, yeah. which is you drop whatever you're doing and then you go and help him out in the washroom. So at some point in the summer, my wife's like, oh, he's got to learn this. We got to teach him how to fold the paper and like start yeah. wiping. So he's trying, right? Don't like, you he... mean you had to teach him how to do the full hand mummy wrap? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Four sheets, six sheets if it's, if it's bad. But, you know, usually we try to stick it to four. So he's been practicing, right? But it it's like, who are we kidding? It's never satisfactory to the degree that I want, right? Yeah. And so... It doesn't pass the sniff test. So the whole summer, we're kind of joking with him that like, you know, when you go to school, what happens if you pee at school? I mean, what happens if you poo at school? You go to school, you poo there, you're going to have to deal with it, right? So there's this, this joke that's running around. So then after the first day, I pick him up at the end of the day, put him in the back of the minivan, and I'm like, all right, so how was the first day of school? Did you poo? No. And then I was like, ah, okay, that's fine. But did you pee? And oh, I'm like, what? You didn't pee the whole day? That was like eight hours, right? He's like, 
never. I'm like, never? Why? <laughs> Why? What's wrong with being in school? There's no, that wasn't a thing. I didn't know this was a thing. Like we've done yeah. podcasts on holding in your poop all day, right? Yeah. I didn't know that you could really hold your bladder that long. And I was like, part of me was like, there's no way he's, he's making this up. Like there's yeah. no way he could have held it the whole day. But, but sure enough, he comes home and then he unloads this huge, like, <laughs> it's not called a bowel movement, like a pee movement at this point, right? Like he overflowed the bowl. Yeah. And then I see that he hadn't drunk much water during the day. Like we packed uh, him a couple canisters of water. He didn't drink much. So yeah. I'm like, maybe that makes sense. He's very dehydrated. He didn't drink. And then uh, it's a it's a hot day. Maybe he sweated off all his fluids, <laughs> right? I'm trying to rationalize this. Like, how yeah. do you get through the day with a never? So obviously, this leads to like a series of long lectures from the parents about <laughs> the value of regular voiding, right? So the second day, did you pee? And then I don't even know if he did, but he said one time, right? One time. So we're we're on the right track. <laughs> uh, you know, in pediatrics, we usually say twelve hours. 12 hours is the length of time that a very determined child can hold their urine. Uh, if after 12 hours they still haven't peed, it's because they can't because something is physically stopping them from being able to pee. So we had a few uh, hours window left for that then. Yeah, exactly. But you can tell them, you know, your uncle Stu, he's seen kids who they held it so long that their bladder filled up so big that the bladder itself was compressing the outflow tract and the kids couldn't pee. Uncle Stu had to stick a straw inside the kid's penis to drain out the pee so that they could pee again. That should uh, either scare him into peeing or scare him away from ever seeing me again. Yeah. So I'm like, especially with the second kid, like we had a lot of these issues with my daughter, which was like when she started going to school, like the lunch would come back uneaten or like she wouldn't be drinking enough water. I was like, what I learned from that was just stay out of their business. There's only so much you can do. And I was like, I was all ready to be Mr. Chill, hands off, dad, let your kids figure out the world on their own until he comes yeah. back and within one minute pulls this, like I didn't pee for a day stunt. And immediately I'm back into lecture dad mode. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a little course correction along the way. That's about, it's uh, about yeah. appropriate, I'd say. Yeah. So how about you? Like, what's it like been you getting your four kids back to school? Cause they weren't off all of last year, but they were off for like, again, I guess since March break kind of thing again. Yeah. So our experience over the last uh, year and a half, right, has been a, a cycle of sending them to school, hoping things work out well, then for reasons out of our control and really, reasons really unrelated to what's happening in the school, the government had closing down schools mm-hmm. and then they're back on top of us. Uh, right. So just when we've sort of planned things that, okay, so this is how it's going to work. We'll arrange our schedule so we can be home to pick them up, but we can get right. stuff while they're done while they're gone. Then we had to upend that and then figure out how we're going to accommodate having them home all the time. So for me, there's a bit of a, a foreboding sense of when is the other shoe going to drop? They, <laughs> they're back in school now, but I got to maximize this time, record as many podcasts as I can before they're back on top of us. <laughs> so you are legitimately feeling that this is a short-term thing. Like they're, they're going to be back home. We're going to be doing a back-to-home episode in due course. I, I would say the, the chances of that are fair. Yeah, <laughs> I would say there's a, at least a 35% chance that uh, before the end of the school year, the kids will be told to stay home hmm. when they normally wouldn't have been, for right. sure. Right. For sure. Uh, I have a little bit of the insight of to what I'm seeing in the hospital right now. And uh, I get COVID alerts. If I've seen a patient uh, or I've been responsible for a patient, so maybe my resident or another learner saw a patient, 
if one of those patients is COVID positive, then I get an email alerting me that you saw this patient, they're COVID positive, and then there's a survey for me to fill in to make sure that I was wearing all my protective equipment and that I'm vaccinated uh, if I've seen this patient. Normally, I get one of those maybe every couple of weeks, sometimes once a month. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've gotten like more than a month. Uh, I worked a shift last week, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I got three alerts in one day mm-hmm. for the patients on that shift to say, yeah, three patients you saw yesterday tested positive for COVID. Right. So... Uh, and this is definitely as a direct result of kids going back to school. And right. here in Ottawa, we started school uh, just last week, Thursday. But some of the other schools, boards and the French schools, mm-hmm. they, they started school almost two weeks prior. So even that is, was enough to start filling your inbox that quickly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> lovely, so, lovely. I worked another shift last evening. I, was, I got called in on call because the volume mm-hmm. was high, uh, which also doesn't bode well. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll have to see today how many of those uh, <laughs> alerts I, I get today. Oh, man. So, so then are a lot of people just coming with COVID symptoms or are they coming with other things? Three patients that come to mind that uh, from that day came in with fever that had been there for less than 24 hours and mild mm. cold symptoms. Right. Uh, so very indistinguishable from all the other kids coming in with cold symptoms and a, and a fever. So, but so, then they just tested positive. So here's the first medical question of the season, which yeah. is for parents in 2021 who are sending their kids back to school... If they present with, you know, they wake up in the morning with a sore throat or a fever, like these type of symptoms, what's the next step? Are these kids okay to just stay home? Or uh, Yeah, well, so the next step is uh, treat them the way you would with any other cold. Mm-hmm. You know, ibuprofen, Tylenol for comfort, fluids, rest. But right. book yourself a COVID test. So you have or to book, do the book, COVID book test. The you, can't, COVID you can't not do the COVID test. I mean, you can do anything you want in this country. It's, Apparently. It's a free country. However. But if you, let's say you didn't want to do the test, you could isolate yourself until your symptoms completely resolve and then resume your regular activity, right? Right. That's the, that's the other option is that you, is that the child is isolated until they're 10 days symptom-free. 10 days so, symptom-free. You have to right. have, you have to be resolved and then wait another 10 days. That's right. You can't, uh, you can't have a fever uh, for like seven days and then go back to school the next day uh, from a COVID point of view uh, because the incubation period is such that, you know, you could still be infectious for another 10 days after that fever resolves. Okay, so that is a little different from what the guideline was a few months earlier because that was not one of the original guidelines. Like maybe last time I checked it, like six months ago. I have not checked it in six months. I'm pretty sure six months ago it was the same thing. If your kid, if their kid was at school and had a fever, they would send you home and tell you your child either has to get a COVID test or they have to wait ten days for the symptoms to resolve. When, when the city started opening up again, there was a lot of talk about like how quickly people could go back to work after having COVID, right? Yeah. And I think in the public health guidelines, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but initially they said if your illness has resolved, you're completely asymptomatic, right? Then you can go back to, to work. That was my understanding of it. Uh, I don't think so, because the premise has always been you can be asymptomatic but infectious for up to 14 days after you've uh, after you've had COVID. Okay, this is going to require us to uh, look this up because this is actually an important point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, this should be a moot point for our listeners, because if your kid has COVID, you shouldn't be trying to keep them home for 10 days or 14 days or, or, or however many days and not get them tested. You should just get them COVID tested. Yeah, the better, guy, the better recommendation is you should get them tested because at that point, you know, they've been around other kids. 
they've been at school, they might have been doing other activities. Everyone that came into previous contact with this person needs to know about it if they had COVID, right? So there's this whole tracing business that would be useful. That's that's how we're going to keep this under control. If you want schools to stay open, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you could just sort of hide the symptoms or keep them home. And then the second they seem, you know, they, they're sick on a Friday, keep them home. And then on Monday, they don't seem to have enough symptoms to, to get called out. So you send them to school Monday. We could do that. But then for sure, we're going to have COVID spreading through the schools if everybody's doing mm-hmm. that. Uh, but the important points, one, COVID is indistinguishable from a cold in most children. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, most children have no symptoms, statistically speaking, but those that do will usually just have mild cold-like symptoms. Right. So you can't sort of say, ah, well, they don't look that sick, so it's probably not COVID. Uh, with the silver lining being that uh, uh, at least you don't have to panic if it could be COVID. Well, it could be COVID, but if they look well, then you just treat them like any other cold. Mm. And if they don't look well, then whether they have COVID or not, if they're unwell, you're going you're gonna to get them checked mm. out. And I guess the other point I was going to make was that the reason that we're getting them tested isn't for concern for the child's safety for having COVID. Uh, it's more to help us keep track of where the COVID is so that we can help stop the spread. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to, and, uh, and to prevent all the collateral damage, like all the people the kids are around from happening. That's right. That's right. So I think what's going to be telling for the school year in terms of whether they do close schools down or not, It's not purely just going to be, are we seeing increasing numbers of COVID spreading amongst children? Uh, But also, okay, so kids are getting, are testing positive for COVID, but if they're all seemingly well, they they all have runny nose coughs and get better, uh, but test positive. And all this vaccinated adults have no problems that you're not seeing that, okay, kids get sick all over the place, but not that unwell. But then now their parents are, are getting sick or their grandparents are ending up in the ICU or dying. If we're not seeing that, then uh, that may settle us into a new normal for COVID and schools may be remaining open and we just live in a world where, yeah, just like any other cold, we deal with kids getting COVID, but since it's not killing people, it's fine. Mm. But if it goes the other way and what we find is, uh, yeah, kids get COVID and although most of them don't get sick, you know, if even 2% of them got really sick, uh, considering how many kids would be getting COVID if they're not vaccinated under 12, Mm -hmm then yeah, uh, that's going to be a lot of really seriously sick kids. So that would close down schools. Or if kids don't get sick that much, but we start finding that in the community, the number of adults going into the ICU, uh, vaccinated adults still getting significantly sick, uh, or there's so many unvaccinated people that they end up uh, having an overwhelming number in the ICU, then these are the type of things that could uh, potentially close schools. Right, right. And we're seeing variations of that all around the world, right? Like, I've been I've I've been listening to some physicians from the U- U.S. talk about it, where they are yeah. their children's hospitals are filling up, right? And there's this whole discussion about whether children actually get more sick with this variant compared to the last year's strain of COVID. And the yeah. conclusion so far seems to be that they do not get more sick with it, but that just like what you said, there's so many children being exposed at this point that even that small percentage of them that do get sick that that percentage existed even with last year's strain but it's just that the absolute number is so much bigger now. That that's, seems to be my understanding as well, yeah. that the, the, the Delta variant and other variants, they spread more easily from kid to kid. Mm-hmm. So before, kids didn't actually pass COVID from one kid to another very much. You didn't have outbreaks at schools and daycares very commonly where, uh, yeah, kids are passing it to each other, at least in the elementary school mm-hmm. age group. Uh, whereas now... Uh, 
actually, if one kid in the class gets COVID, then the chance of the whole class getting COVID is much higher. Right. So before, if it was, you know, if it was one kid in every 2,000 that got meaningfully ill, uh, you didn't see that many kids because, you know, barely 2,000 kids in a specific city got COVID. Mm-hmm. But now if, uh, if, you know, thousands and thousands of kids are getting it, then that small percentage is going to be a large absolute number of, right. of COVID cases. Right. So, so we, will see. we ain't through this yet. We thought we might be through this by this point, but a year and a half in and we're still talking about this. Right. Now, there is uh, some talk about uh, Pfizer getting fast-tracked to uh, allow vaccination in uh, in the under-12 age group. Mm. So we'll see that that could be a game-changer. Right. And uh, uh, there's also this element of, like, unvaccinated adults. Uh, <laughs> in some places, they're referring to COVID as a disease of the unvaccinated. Right. That, you know, vaccinated people still get it, but it's pretty mild for them. But unvaccinated people are the ones who are clogging up the ICUs or, I guess, clogging up the cemeteries. Right. And, and so, it's a significant percentage of people that are choosing not to get vaccinated for various reasons. Sometimes because, yeah. you know, they're making the conscious choice not to get vaccinated. Sometimes because they're worried about perceived, you know, side effects of the medication. Sometimes because... They're worried about their own health. Like they feel like, you know, there's something wrong with their health, which precludes them from being able to safely receive the vaccine. And some of it is yeah. just Facebook propaganda and and <laughs> those Chinese forward chains that spread around like wildfire. I was talking with a teenager the other day and it came up, you know, are you getting your vaccine or are you vaccinated? Nope. No, thanks. I'll pass. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Is there any particular reason for that? Oh, well, you know, I saw the video online and people get the vaccine and then they're, they're completely paralyzed and their body can't move. <laughs> like, uh, you sure that's exactly how that's, uh, how that's happening? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, answer me this doctor. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> answer me this. How come, uh, AIDS and HIV have been around, you know, for decades, and they haven't had a cure for that yet. But uh, COVID's only been around for a year and a half, and they've already got a vaccine that's supposed to work. No, I, no, that doesn't make sense. I think we should we need to delete this entire part because it seems to be a gross violation of some fool's privacy. Uh, maybe if you could identify the individual person who said this, but uh, this is, uh, I'm having multiple conversations along these lines. <laughs> oh, terrible, terrible. I mean, that, that is, it is galling, I guess, in some level. Like, we're a year and a half into this thing. As a society, we probably, all of us can agree that we, we all of us probably are in agreement that we don't like COVID. We don't want it to be here. We wish it hadn't even happened. Right. And oddly enough, there is a treatment for it now. Like if we all got vaccinated, the thing would actually be over. Right. Like they spend all this money and development and then made this thing that'll solve the world's problem. Right. And people don't want it. (laughs) Right. They're happy continuing the way they have been, you know, the last year and a half. Right. Seeing the bodies piling up in the morgue. They're fine with that. Like this is a mind boggling thing. Right. And it speaks to, you know, the era and the time period that we live in that. We just cannot get people on board and we have to start doing things like paying people to get vaccinated, right? <laughs> Threatening that if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to you're gonna have to do daily testing or make your life a little bit more difficult. All these shenanigans. The thing yeah. that can manage this situation exists and we're choosing not to use it. And it's it's mind boggling, but at, the, at some level, ultimately not surprising, right? Like, 
Yeah, it just seems like oh, the yeah. it, as human beings, this is some it's it's exposing some fundamental characteristic of human beings as a population. Well, human beings are naturally self-destructive <laughs> on some level or another. <laughs> so what's your feeling about COVID now? Like we haven't really talked about it all summer. Like we're a year and a half in your kids are back in school, maybe with a 30% chance of coming home at any moment. Like, what's your feeling about this thing as an experience a year and a half into it? Well, you know, I think first there was going through that phase of, well, gosh, how long is it going to be before I can get back to uh, even just the basics of normality? So remember when COVID first started, going to the grocery store was this whole like, you know, you know, can we do that? Right. Uh, going to work involved changing your clothes and your shoes and your socks and decontamination. And so we got past that phase where it's like, okay, I can go and get groceries. Mm -hmm. um, I can go and do some of these things. Uh, so then you start to miss more, uh, not the basic necessities anymore, but the, the luxuries. Uh, and I suppose the, nece the basic necessity of seeing your family. Mm -hmm. uh, now I feel like with the vaccine, at least in the time being, We've gotten a little bit more comfortable. That, okay, my 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 parents are vaccinated. My wife's parents are vaccinated. Uh, me and my, fam my family's all vaccinated. So, although the kids aren't vaccinated, at least when they weren't in school in the summertime, uh, taking all these other measures, there was ways for us to see family and get close again. Mm -hmm. You know, kids have hugged grandparents, that type of thing. So now we're kind of moving on to the onto the next phase of things that you miss or things that I miss and things that I like, okay, well now when can I get back to this? Because uh, for the last year and a half, there was no desire on my part to go travel outside of the country to get on a plane <laughs> and, and travel somewhere. It was like, no, 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 with COVID, that's not interesting right, right now. Yeah. But uh, I am starting to to long for, for a vacation like that. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, I'd, I'd like my kids to be able to go to Disney World while they're still young enough to appreciate Disney World through the eyes of kids. <laughs> Uh, you know, in another five years of pandemic, they're not gonna, they're not gonna care about Disney princesses. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Way. I thought that the last Disney excursion was not exactly a hit in your family, but you, you, you flipped so far as a result of COVID that you're, you're ready to re-embrace this idea that somehow it'll be different this time. Uh, I, for the record, was always ready to take another run <laughs> at uh, Disney World. <laughs> Uh, my personality is such that uh, the idea that it defeated us once uh, <laughs> means that we have to go back and, and win. <laughs> Our family has to win at Disney World. Well, last time I checked, you're not the one making the decisions unilaterally in your family. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and at this point, I, me and the kids are the only ones who are eager to get back to <laughs> Disney World. Uh, so that still hasn't changed. Which is a significant but, majority of your family, but ultimately still the minority in your family. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The silent minority. <laughs> uh, but even just traveling, uh, not specifically Disney World, but just getting on a plane and going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, my family had a, a, a trip to France planned that was uh, postponed and then canceled. And... The, the thought of when we could do that. I'd really love for for my wife and kids and myself to see Japan. I've never been to Japan. It's somewhere I'd like to see mm. in person. And those are the type of things that it's like, all right, <laughs> I am ready for COVID to end so I can start to do those things. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I mean, we, we could go off on a complete tangent talking about all the places in the world we want to see. It, it's right. hard to envision. It's hard to envision that that stuff would be easy to do the way the virus is affecting different parts of the world, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, in Canada, traveling within Canada, maybe traveling the United States, 
it seems like it's not unreasonable at this point. But you look at like Asia and all these countries, they're very like careful about who they let in. You know, you go you go to yeah. China now, you got to be in a quarantine hotel for like two or three weeks. Right. That's your whole yeah. vacation for the year, like sitting in a hotel. Like these trips are not happening anytime soon. Right. Probably not in the yeah. next, you know, five years if I was going to venture a guess. And I'm I'm not really interested in doing a trip where it's like, OK, yeah, technically I got into another country. <laughs> But uh, with all this angst, all these precautions when I came home, all this. So what I'm looking forward to is a time when we could travel normally or, or as close to normal as, as possible. Mm. And yeah, that, that time, that, that still feels way off. That's where that sort of COVID fatigue of being like, right. well, will this never end? That's where it still feels yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, we have one of those. We still have a coupon for the last trip that we had booked that got canceled right as COVID started because it was March break, right? So they're giving us till March of 2022, which is coming up real fast now. We have about six months to get on an airplane. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yeah, hopefully that uh, will be a refundable coupon of some sort. (laughs) So how are your kids handling going back to school from the point of view of having to go back with COVID restrictions? Because they never would have had the experience of attending school in that way, right? They actually haven't had any issue with it. Like nothing outward that I've noticed. Right. Like okay. they they're pretty comfortable wearing masks. And I think that's the experience of most parents is that when the virus first hit, parents were up in arms like my four year old can't be expected to wear a mask all day. My eight year old can't be expected to wear a mask. All day. It's Im- it's impossible to, for them to wear a mask. Yeah. By and large, most children are OK wearing the mask. Right. And so that part has been OK. I don't really know like what my son's, you know, is he using the hand sanitizer adequately at school? Like <laughs> the one thing that I find as a parent is that the school has now become more of a black box than before. Like parents who yeah. parents of small children know, understand this. Like you drop your three year old at preschool, you drop your four year old or five year old at kindergarten. They come back at the end of the day. They look tired. Their clothes are disheveled. You know, they did something. You can't get it out of them. What did you do today? Mm. <laughs> right? Did you learn Nothing. something? Yeah. Like it's you, it's a literal black box that they've gone into and then they come back out, right? Yeah. Now, before you could sort of get an idea of what they're doing. Like you would drop them off. Like a lot of times the parents would bring the kid right into the classroom, right? Say wave to the teacher, right? Now, like the schools are all like parents cannot come in. The, the kids are filed in the door and they just disappear into the ether, right? And they reappear eight hours later. And you literally have, have no concept of what that classroom looks like. Like, are they sitting in groups? Are they sitting in, you know, chairs? Are they on the ground? Like, I, I know nothing, right? They, there yeah. could be nothing going on there all day, right? So it is a strange exper- experience for us. But from their standpoint, I haven't heard any complaints. Like, I think, I think the nice thing about them being cooped up for so long is there's really literally nothing for them to complain about. Everything's fresh. Right. It's similar to how as much as I hate commuting, I haven't complained once about driving them to school and back (laughs) because it's been two years since I've had to do this. Uh, Yeah, I know what you mean. My kids actually have started walking to school this year. This is a big milestone. Mm. These kids who are in grades one, three, uh, five and six, uh, they are they're walking to school now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the, the walk from my house to school is about one and a half kilometers. So they're walking where I can no longer see them. Like they're, they're gone and I, I, oh, so I can't hover over them. I can't they're walking them. to school alone without you. Yeah, just the four of them. Wow. And they have to cross streets and stuff to get there? 
Yeah, they have to cross several small streets, but yes, uh, no major highways or anything like that, but they do have to cross streets. Ah, okay. So that's not bad. So so what's the difference between this year and last year that you made this switch now? Uh, Well, one of the things is that uh, with my wife now completely working full-time as a teacher uh, and me doing shift work, we're not going to always... Uh, have the timing work out mm-hmm. that we'll be able to be there to walk them home right. and, and walk them uh, walk them back. Right. Uh, especially the walking home. Like my my wife will uh, on days when I'm working in the evening, my wife will get home just around the same time they will if they walk. But she wouldn't be able to get there in time to pick them up. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like there's another uh, milestone. I I'm not even ready to think about when I would be okay with letting them walk. I mean, I don't think it'll be an issue because our school is very far, unfortunately. Yeah. But I remember walking home on my own for years and years as a kid. But it seems like it's something that's not as commonly done now for parents. Yeah. I mean, there's always the age-old thing about you know, in my day, we we were allowed to do whatever we wanted, <laughs> and I used to light fires and uh, go to Vegas, and my parents never cared as long as I was home for dinner. Uh, whereas these days, everybody is so tight, mm-hmm. uh, so that it always feels that way. But yeah, uh, it does seem like parents, or at least a lot of parents, are a lot more nervous about that than they uh, than they used to be. Mm-hmm. And this is funny because we grew up in the age of probably the peak of hysteria about kidnappers. <laughs> so in, when your kids go walk to school, like what, how does your school do it? Like I know a lot of schools are doing like this checklist where the kids got to like write down or the parents have to prepare like a checklist of what symptoms they don't have. And you can't get into school without this checklist being complete. Like that's happening in the school board in Toronto. And it's also happening at our private school. Like there's all these lists on top of all the other stuff you had to do in the morning before you hustle your kid out. You have to get this checklist ready. Like, do you have to do something like that? Uh, I believe there is something that uh, you just have to do this checklist sort of online and you don't have to actually submit it anywhere. (laughs) That that seems like a futile gesture (laughs) of of anything. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, what's the point, right? Uh, the same checklist, uh, if, if you were already going to send your kid to school and ignore the things on the checklist, <laughs> then having the checklist, you're just going to lie about what you put on the checklist in the first place. Well, that's the, the, that's the thing. Like, so the checklist at our school is quite long. There's like probably 20 questions, right? Like, do you have yeah. a runny nose right now? Are you coughing? Have you been in contact with someone with COVID? Yeah, and have, do you have a fever? How high is your temperature? Like, literally... There, if you actually sat there and thought about the question, right, and you actually had to process the question, it would take you 10 minutes to do the thing, right? Yeah. And I understand that we're not expected to actually think through the answers, right? My problem yeah. is I only have like, you know, 65 minutes, you know, from the moment I wake up to the kids being dropped off. And yeah. during that time, we have to get the meal ready. We have to get the lunch ready. They have to get dressed, brush their teeth. Yeah. And now we throw in this checklist, right? So today what happened was I was already out the door. Kids are getting ready to get into the van. And I realized didn't do the checklist yet. So then this thing's hanging in the back of my head the whole way to the school. So yeah, I know that once I stop the car, I'm going to have to open up my iPhone and start entering the checklist questions. At the end of the questionnaire, I then have to take a screenshot of the checklist for the first kid, then do the whole thing again for the second kid, (laughs) right? To make this even worse, I recently switched from Android to iPhone. So I have no idea how to use the iPhone. I'm like half paranoid that the window is going to close. 
or and, and then like I have facial ID now, right? But facial ID yeah. doesn't work when you have a mask on, right? And yeah. so my like I have to re-enter my password like 16 times, and I'm scrambling to try to take the screenshot, which fails like 18 times. I'm I'm with the kids in the line. They're right at the front of the line, and I'm scrambling to get this checklist done, right? And yeah. clearly, I'm not reading any of the questions. No, 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 right? Does somebody does somebody actually check the yes, list? Yes, there's a person at the door. You have to hold up the the screen that has the green yeah. light button that says that you've passed the checklist and it has the kid's name and the date to be allowed yeah. in. So they're very careful about this. It's it's nice. I like how they're taking all these precautions, but they're certainly not making my life easier as a parent, right? I've heard in the public <laughs> system instead of using an app, they have like a paper checklist, right? So the okay. kids are given this sheet and parents have like a stack of these sheets. So on the weekend, like Sunday before the week starts, you just check all the boxes for the rest of the week. You don't have to do the checklist again, right? Not sure how effective that is in preventing COVID, but you know what? <laughs> this is the world we live in. I think for my school board, you can go online through, and there's something sort of through the city that you could go to mm. that uh, you would fill in the, the questionnaire and it would, if you say an answer, that would be a red flag. It will tell you, okay, for this symptom, you should do this, but you don't then have to then print that off and, and bring it to <laughs> So school. wait, you keep using words like could and would as if, as if this is all an entirely optional exercise. If nobody's really checking it, then it is essentially <laughs> an optional exercise, isn't it? Yeah. So this is, this is the status of drop-offs. Like it is a bit different than what I remember back in the day. Yeah. For, so for my kids, they don't have to do, my kids, nobody has to show anything mm -hmm. when, when they arrive. In fact, they kind of discourage parents from lingering around the front of the school, right. right? The last thing you need is a crowd of 50 parents all trying to shove an app in the teacher's face. <laughs> it's like spread out people, spread out. So yeah, the kids, the kids, you do all your stuff at home and then you just send them and then they, 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 they have a gate that they have to go through and they, they have different entrances for kids in different grades to try to keep them spaced from each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you think, well, I guess, let me ask you this. Have your kids so far had to get COVID tested at all throughout this? No, none of us have. We've been okay, we, yeah. we've been very ensconced in our habitat for the last year and a half. Yeah. So uh, how are you feeling about that possibility that the kids are going to have some kind of cold symptom uh, and then have to get uh, a COVID test? It's not test. a huge deal. I mean, I, I, I think the solution to this is as a medical care provider, right? I feel like I just need to stock a lot of these kits in my own office and then I can screen them at my leisure. <laughs> I feel like that's the actual solution. The, these rapid uh, test home kits? Yes. <laughs> okay, those are, those are garbage. I should just uh, put that out there. That, uh, uh, well, there's, you might as well use a magic there's ball. A bunch of uh... There's a bunch of kits that they're selling to medical offices so that you can do point of care testing. I don't know how effective they are. Oh. I'm sure there's a lot of things they're selling to medical offices, <laughs> but uh, these these kits, uh, it's not that I, it's not that they are known to give a, a ton of false positives, but they're they're not that reliable in saying in ruling out COVID. Mm, okay, lovely. Yeah, I met I met someone over the summer who was describing how their whole family had gotten COVID, mm -hmm. and where they sort of trace it back to was uh, uh, the the father had a job where he worked with other people and like a construction site or something mm -hmm. like this. And so they had to do a COVID, one of these rapid tests every day. Uh, so him and the person he was working with both did the tests, both tested negative in the morning. Uh, then the next uh, couple of days later started feeling sick and then realized that, yeah, we tested negative that morning, but 
one of us had COVID and was contagious at that time and then gave it to the other guy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, those 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 kits are probably most useful in screening like mass numbers of people when uh, it's not very important to know. Right. But uh, I suppose the good thing is that in the community, uh, most communities now are doing testing that is not as invasive as the swab to the back of the nose that everybody had to do at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of families still picture getting a COVID swab as this really painful experience, which mm-hmm. the swab t- that we used to put like all the way at the back of the nose, that was not comfortable. No kid was telling me that they were enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the occasional kid would say it tickled, but most kids rate it between a two and a six in terms of how comfortable it was. So how is it done now? Now, using my city as an example, if you go to the Brewer Clinic, which is one of the outpatient testing centers we have here, you would book your appointment online, go in, they do a swab where they put it just at the front of the nose and then in the mouth, uh, or mm-hmm. maybe the mouth first and then the nose, then, uh, then, and that's it. And then you're out of there in, in, in half an hour. And the results aren't rapid. You don't get the result right away, but you get a result usually within 24 to 36 right. hours. Quick enough. sooner. Yeah. And so that, that, uh, that was one of the things I dreaded last year was having to take them for these COVID tests uh, when they would get like minor symptoms. Mm-hmm. But uh, three out of my four kids had them, and one of my kids had it twice. And it just is not, it's not fun, especially for the younger kids. Mm-hmm. It's just not fun. Now that the test is, is, is not that uncomfortable, uh, it really isn't as big a deal. <laughs> I don't dread it the way I did last year. Lovely. So, so then in terms of like the situation now, like for example, your kids, the grandparents are vaccinated, right? A lot of the people yeah. you're around are vaccinated. So what's your feeling about the kids have gone back to school, so their chance of being positive is a little higher. Is it okay for them to mingle with their grandparents indoors or share a meal with them at this point? Uh, I feel like right now is the sort of point of like they better get it in now because we may not be able to do it later. Mm. So if the grandparents are vaccinated, then the risk of them mingling with the kids is is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't sort of say I'm going to stop that, although I do still think it's a good idea to use some of the basic precautions, trying to be outdoors when you can, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, for right now, I'm okay with them being around the grandparents. But I think we do need to be keeping a close eye on how this plays out over the first four weeks back at school. Because mm. in general, there's an incubation period for most of these little viral illnesses that kids get. So it's not the first day back at school that you sort of get a sense of, oh, okay, here's how bad it's going to be. Right. It's usually about the third week, the you know 21 days after the first day of school that you start to get a sense of, oh, okay, here's how bad things are. So what about other things? Like right now, a big thing that I see is that restaurants are open. You know, people are eating indoors, you know, with some restriction on the number of people that can be in a restaurant, but not much restriction, really. Like most tables at restaurants are full. Some of the some of the restaurants have set up these like glass, not glass, but see through barriers between tables. Right. Yeah. Like how comfortable are you with that at this point as a recommendation for parents? So far... Oh, well, I mean, as a term, as a recommendation for parents, uh, I guess I just recommend, you know, follow whatever your local guidelines are. <laughs> it seems reasonable, but just make sure you don't deviate from the guidelines. But in terms of what I personally am, where I'm at, uh, I am okay with having uh, patio outdoor restaurant visits with friends, mm. but uh, I'm not that uh, keen on going into a restaurant right now. Yeah, likewise. I have, I've only been on a patio like one or two times. Maybe maybe a couple more yeah. if you count. We did a couple of day trips in the summer where we ended up like 
in the middle of a town and eating on the patio. But like, it's something about seeing all these people with no masks on their face, eating and drinking in close proximity to one another. Not that comfortable with it yet, still. Yeah, I've I've had a few visits with like one or two friends at a time on a in a patio setting outdoors, mm-hmm. um, and and I've and with the family we've gone to patios a couple of times, uh, and I gotta say it's been pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our uh, longtime listeners, one of our uh, probably one of our top three fans. <laughs> Uh, our good friend Jesh from medical school, he was in town not long ago for something, and him and I uh, met up on a patio and had lunch together. And I got to say, it was uh, it was really really nice to see this guy in person <laughs> and have a like a real in person conversation. Uh, I'd say that was uh, that was probably even worth getting a little mild COVID, maybe not like a COVID pneumonia death. I, I wouldn't have died for it. But uh, that was worth a little bit of like, I'm vaccinated. I got some mild COVID symptoms. Yeah, yeah. You say that okay now, okay? I hung out with him on a patio like a week after you saw him. So if I get yeah. COVID, I'm coming for you because that thing passed <laughs> right through him to me. <laughs> uh, there's worse diseases. <laughs> so one thing before we go, one thing that I wanted to touch on was this whole business of kids going back to school for the first time. Like, I guess my son is sort of in yes. this, but but actually he had even been to preschool. He had been to preschool before. There are some kids, and I think there's a lot of them based, if my Facebook feed is any indicator, like all these like first time in kindergarten, first time in preschool, like I'm so sad watching my kids go off into the real world, right? And, and there's actually yeah. more of them this year than ever, right? Because there's this extra cohort of people who stayed home last year who would have gone last year. So yeah. there are a ton of people I've noticed who are like starting off stuff for the very first time, like leaving the nest. So thinking about this, like what, what do we have any advice for these first time parents? Like you've gone through this four times with your kids. I've gone through this twice, you know, like what can we tell parents who are sending yeah. their kids off into the real world for the very first time? And it's a very uncertain real world, more so than ever before. Well, from a medical dad point of view, especially talking about the current situation with the way things have been with COVID, I just remind parents that normally under regular circumstances, the average kid gets six to eight colds a year, right? <laughs> six, six to eight colds over the course of a typical viral season. Right. That's actually normal. So pre-COVID, it was common for parents to say, oh, my kid has had one long never-ending cold oh, that's yeah. lasted for four months. Yo, or yeah. It's like... Not never ending, but it only gets better for a week or a weekend, and then we seem to have runny nose conditions. Yeah, during Christmas. <laughs> so, uh, for a lot of parents who are sending their kids away for the first time, whose kids have been at home for oh, for the last couple of years, you know, someone might have a four-year-old now uh, who they spent, you know, age one and a half to age three and a half mm-hmm. at uh, at home. Uh, and doing it in a context when not only is the kid at home, but everybody else around them is taking extreme precautions that would prevent the spread of not just COVID, but the usual viral illnesses that kids are getting. Mm-hmm. People have had a very, very skewed view of what what normal is for kids getting sick over the last couple of years, mm. right? Especially if your kid is really young. If your kid is going to preschool or something for the first time, they, they may be a two-year-old who has never really gotten sick before. So... My advice is, if your child gets a cold, uh, gets a fever, do not panic. <laughs> and if it seems like your kid's getting a lot of colds and uh, a lot of uh, viral illnesses, 
it doesn't mean that they have some kind of immune disorder or there's something wrong with them. Right. It probably just means that now their immune system is seeing these things for the first time after having a couple of years of everybody in the world being sheltered, relatively sheltered. Uh, but it, your body does have to face these things sooner or later mm-hmm. to gain immunity. So it is normal for you to start having what we were talking about. Uh, seems like my kids having a never-ending cold or they only get better for a few days at a time. Now, now when you sent your kids last year, they were in school for maybe like two-thirds of the year or maybe a little less than that, right? Yeah. Now, did they get as sick as often as before, like in your like estimation? like Or are you... Are, no. They're not, right? No. E- even Even with them being in school... Kids in school during COVID did not get sick nearly as often because of the masks kids in... and the distancing and all the That's precautions, right. right? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. But we're seeing that those precautions are lightening up everywhere. Uh, probably the school is the place where that's most enforced. Mm-hmm. But all these activities and getting together with friends and all the stuff that I know people are doing or kids are doing out there, mm-hmm. that stuff people have become more and more comfortable and relaxed with. So these viral illnesses are start are going to probably be worse this year than they were than they were last year. Well, I got to I got to say like we did many episodes in the past where we talked about like as a parent, you know, when you get sick, when your wife gets sick, as the whole family's sick. The one silver lining of COVID is that there was very little of that the last year and a half, right? Like right. I feel really healthy in terms of my immune system, but in fact, there just has not been any bugs inside my house and I haven't gone outside ever. <laughs> That's right. We're kind of like uh, somebody who, yeah, they used to do a lot of weightlifting and their arms were always sore <laughs> and often weak from all the workouts. Uh, now they've done no workouts. They haven't lifted anything heavy for two years. And they're like, ah, I feel amazing. My muscles aren't sore at all. I must be so strong now. And then they can't lift like a, a two pound weight. Oh. That's what our immune systems are like. Well, certainly that's what our kids' immune systems are like for the kids under five. Frightening, frightening. I, I'm, I mean... I guess on the bright side, I'm, I was looking for any sort of silver lining because I'm dreading the like I'm very familiar with that year round runny nose nasal congestion business in preschool or kindergarten age kid. And I'm dreading that, yeah. you know, you know, my son's going to have a runny nose for an eight months and then the two of them are going to be at home while he while we try to nurse this runny nose to health. Right. And, and that'll That's be right. it for the school year. But it's good to hear that at least the precautions kept that down a bit in your estimation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because you talk to parents who are saying, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, parents saying, oh, no, my kid can't keep a mask on for, for six hours. And those parents still say that when, when they have to keep the mask on with their kid at a, at a restaurant for even 45 minutes, mm-hmm. the parents are like, oh, this is impossible. A kid can't keep the mask. But when you send them to school, the teachers are making those masks stay on. Like, these kids are quite capable mm-hmm. when they're at school. So something about the school environment versus the home environment is different. But uh, yeah, the schools are generally, for the most part, doing a pretty good job. So if we as parents can just hold up our end, uh, then we may get through this school year. Awesome. Well, we'll keep parents up to date on the latest of how our back-to-school adventure goes in the coming weeks and months. But uh, yeah, we have a whole season planned of some some COVID-related information to pass along, I'm sure, but a lot of non-COVID-related stuff that we're going to get to starting next week. Hopefully as much non-COVID-related <laughs> stuff as we possibly possibly can. Yes. So stay tuned for next week's podcast on, so the kids are back home and schools have been shut down. <laughs> what next? On that note, Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, folks. <laughs>